There is no glass ceiling for Katherine Schoenenberger. She's the president of Stay Safe Traffic Products, one of America's leading providers of traffic control and safety equipment. And Catherine's now the national president of NAWIC. That's the National Association of Women in Construction. What does the future hold for women leaders in American construction? Join us today on Walking the Walk, and we're going to find out. Welcome to Walking the Walk, the program for people who want to become better leaders and leaders who want to become better people. Start Walking the Walk with your host, renowned leadership speaker and author of The Sensei Leader, Jim Bouchard. In a spirit of full disclosure, I should say that I've, I've been blessed to be able to work with Nawick and with Catherine in the past, in the recent past. And uh, so, Catherine, I never, I, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I grew up working for a contractor. My dad was a contractor, and later I worked in a, in a shipyard uh, electric boat in Groton, Connecticut. And in those days, you know, women were just starting to make a lot of inroads into the trades and especially into engineering and management. So what does the landscape look like today? It seems like it's pretty promising, right? And you guys at Nawick are doing a great job to make that happen. You would think so. Um, I think that what we're doing, and especially in this year of, that belongs to me as um, national president, is you know we've had the theme of making a measurable difference going forward. Um, we've been stuck at some numbers here for about 40 years. We're about mm. we're just about seven percent in our um, professional engineering, uh, still not moving that needle significantly since really 1970, and then um, we're still struggling to get about 10 percent of the uh, women in the construction workforce. Uh, we're 51% of the population, about 47% of that working po- population, and yet in the construction industry, we're still struggling just to make 10%. So as much as it, it feels like it's doing well, and it's maybe because we're in the um, midst of all of that excitement, because there's a lot of powerful women that certainly are in construction, right. uh, we have a lot of inroads still yet to make. And um, what we do have, um, and one of the encouraging things that I think that is on the horizon is our tradeswomen. Um, they're doing a phenomenal job getting back in, and there's been a um, uh, rebirth, if you will, of women finding a career in construction via the trades. And it's been um, something that's been offered primarily right now through, I will say, the unions are a big um, incentive program there yeah, for apprenticeship yeah. programs, et cetera. But overall, I mean, they're making living a living wage, and especially if they're single moms or in their mid-30s, 40s, 50s even, um, changing to a career that um, certainly will support not only them but their families as well. You know, that's fascinating because it comes at a time – I want to come back to the management thing in a second, but yep. it, comes, you know, it comes at a time when across the country um, – you know, there's a shortage of, of people in general entering the trades. And, it, and you know, it seems like one of the horizons. I just read an article that talked about that, that, you know, the construction trades were going to be one of the places where there was so much opportunity because so many people have, have stopped entering that. So it seems like an exciting opportunity that more women are getting involved on that level. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's also... You know, overall, and just the trades alone, our skilled labor shortage is a real is a real deal, right. um, men and women. And when I do talk to companies that are trying to develop their workforce, of course, you know, we want to be more diverse. We want all these buzzwords to be passed around, <laughs> right. et cetera. But um, it, it's real. And, you know, a lot of the people just say, I want bodies. I just need bodies if yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. you know, pay for them and let them earn as they learn and that kind of thing. Um, and it's really difficult. So, I mean, aside from just being women, there's also, um, and especially through NAWIC, we have a lot of community outreach for 
the kids. I mean, as mm -hmm. young as um, elementary and, you know, certainly high school uh, were concentrated there. But the junior high kids, the middle school kids are um, a big concentrated effort for us as well to introduce them to construction, to under make them understand that construction is not a job. It's a, it's a career choice. Um, and certainly um, in speaking with teenagers, which is always a lovely reminder of how the world works. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you they go. You're being kind. You're being yeah, kind. Yeah, well, you know, because I remember mm -hmm. being 15 years old. I certainly yeah. didn't think I was going to be selling traffic cones and you know drums for a living. And <laughs> talking talking to Jim Bouchard about you know women in construction at 15, I thought I was going to I was heading in a different path. But I grew up in a construction family, yeah. ironically. But we weren't the ones that you know the girls weren't the ones on the big equipment. But my mm -hmm. brothers were, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but nonetheless, we want those kids to be um, excited about what the careers in construction holds. And then you can't you can't export our jobs for infrastructure and um, housing is a is a real crisis and things like that where construction and anytime you break the ground is it's considered construction and mm -hmm. they're. It's an industry that is not going to go away. We'll have our peaks and valleys, absolutely, like we felt in 2008. Um, but overall, it's not going away. Um, it can't. It can't. We see this no, in our crumbling no. streets and even today's news. I mean, you turn on the news, there's something else that needs to be addressed immediately. So women can be on the forefront of that and shall be on the forefront of that. That's my prediction anyway, um, because we're very good at it. I mean, I will tell you, I have a program up in New Hampshire. Um, I'll touch upon a little bit for construction career days for the high school students. And we're in a, going into our 10th event this year. And, you know, we put through about 9,000 kids um, all told. Wow. And it's a two day, two half days. I mean, they're only there for half an hour, half a day, four hours on um, interactive equipment, et cetera. But I'll tell mm -hmm. you the interaction and getting them excited about getting on a piece of machinery or behind a laser or putting together logos or ex experiencing, like in your similar case, you know, you experienced down in Groton, Connecticut, Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. I mean, they have a screamer of a an apprenticeship program, um, and. Put these kids out there in front of them and they had no clue they really didn't have a clue what was waiting for them because mm -hmm. construction construction is not just hammers and nails and dirt it's um it covers everything from engineering to planning to design um anything that you look at around your world construction right. plays a huge part. so there's a lot of different aspects to it that i don't think people are really um they don't know firsthand what it really does involve, and it's amazing. I learn every day about some other facet of it. So, no, it is. It's it's amazing, and there's lessons that I learned, you know, from working, you know, from from the time I was a kid. I worked for my dad, is you know, around the contracting, um, and then yet to the at the time you're working on the Trident submarines in Groton. I mean, that was really cutting edge technology. I was a pipe fitter, but you know, to understand how, how a nuclear reactor is put together and to see how they, all the parts come together. I mean, that's a very sophisticated machine. Still is, I mean, but at that time it was the cutting edge. Uh, and you're right about that. We still have, and it, it's awful because I have to tread lightly on this. I see, and I get to work with so many remarkable people, especially in our in our aspiring leaders track, remarkable young people who are energetic. They want to get involved in these things. They want to work. They want to work hard, you know. At the same time, we have some, I, I call them kind of useful generalizations, right? You can't judge the group by the general, I mean, an individual by the group. But 
the idea that the millennial generation and now the generation Z, whatever it is, right? Is, right, right, right. It's ironic. Each each generation sees that the next one has changed somewhat. And I, I think that there's pretty much a consensus, with the notable exceptions, that there's been a, a shift in work ethic. And, of course, when you're talking about the trades like this, uh, and, and I want to come back and talk about management and all that stuff because that's really important too. But get people in there where they can do something. And I'll tell you what, the feeling of accomplishment, um, you know, I still go by sometimes when I'm back visiting, you know, where I grew up. I see buildings that, that you know, I worked on with my dad. And I sometimes mm-hmm. on TV I see the USS Michigan. I said, you know what, I helped build that thing. Mm-hmm. That's an enormous uh, feeling of pride that, that, you know, you really you really. You made something that is tangible, right, instead right. of sitting on a video <laughs> screen where nothing's really being produced. But I don't but know. I how- think a lot, but I think a, along those lines, too, one of the um, biggest questions that has been asked, and with relationship to the um, generational differences, especially mm-hmm. the millennials, but even like the min- millennials that are just about hitting 40 at this point, yeah. and those that are, are just 21s, I mean, there's a... There's a significant difference in in um, attitude, and it, partly it's because the work experience now and life experiences are mm-hmm. different. Um, and again, you can't you can't just take that generalization and put it to every single person. Right, exactly. But, but one of the things that I know, um, as far as construction is concerned in its future, is that we do have to stay relevant in ways of technology. Um, drone, yes. for instance, drone you know drones on our construction site. They prove to be ind- indispensable as far as watching for safety, mm-hmm. looking out for the you know the forest for the trees, for instance, because they can go above everything and take a take a quick picture. Um, getting on an excavator or a, a backhoe, for instance, when my brothers learned in the late '60s how to operate a backhoe, the real good ones, and I will say I have I had a couple of them that were just innately great at running a piece of equipment. Right. Today you get in there, it's a cockpit. I it mean, is, it's isn't un- it? <laughs> it's GPS just like vehicle, and lasers. You know? and, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things to that. And I mean, uh-huh. that goes across a lot of industries, but especially in um, the construction industry, you have to have that. And the kids, mm-hmm. when they sit down at a, um, a, a simulator, whether it be for a semi or for an excavator or for whatever, um, the piece, of, even a pilot for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. But when you sit down and you realize that you're running a backhoe, and there's a lot of little gadgets to it. I mean, mm-hmm. they get excited. It is like video game to them because they have that's been interesting. only exposed to it. Yeah, that's have interesting. Been only exposed to it. So, I mean, there's still a lot of hard work, and don't don't knock. There's no way of getting around that. But it's the hard yeah. work that um, is very rewarding, like you say. At the end of the day, when you talk to someone in there, you know, maybe mid to late 40s, or now maybe mid to late 60s, even, and they're still on the construction job. Yeah, they have sore feet and sore back and whatever else, but they also right. have a beautiful home and they've, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've um, made well their life and um, they're able to take their vacations and they're able to retire eventually too. Um, and we see it with a lot of the big companies and the mom and pops as well. I mean, I certainly am no no um, big company by any stretch, but what I've been able to do is, and I'm sitting in a unique position because a lot of the construction side of things, you don't think of this, but public works, our public works departments, that's who I work with primarily. Uh-huh. Um, and they're retiring. Right. <laughs> My municipal guys are retiring like unbelievable because they're yeah. all, you know, um, that late generational of baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the way our pension systems have worked and the culture of that particular public entity, I mean, we have a lot of retirees coming out. And who's replacing them? 
who is coming stepping up as our road agents up in New Hampshire or our public works directors in Maine in, in New England and throughout the country? Not, oh, right. mm-hmm. You know, we have a shortage there. Um, I will tell you the water treatment plants, they're screaming for operators and they'll pay them dearly. And we have diesel um, mechanics. They're few and far between. So anyone coming out of diesel mechanic school can name their own ticket because that's how desperate they are. It's no, not you, you, as it was back in the 60s. You're hitting the nail right on the head. And it's so interesting because, you know, Mike Rowe uh, famously did a video oh. last last year, the year before, and talked about two things. I thought he just hit it all the ballpark on two major uh, components of this, this problem. First of all, that we've devalued the trades, you know, that we've somehow mm-hmm. taken the honor out of it. I mean, it used to be I still think it is. It's a miracle when you see somebody that can work with their hands and create something, you know, and, and what they can do. That's an amazing thing. should be held in the highest esteem. Uh, but for how long have we said, well, the only way to be successful in life is to go get a college degree and do this and do that and the other thing. Of course, sometimes you have to, <laughs> you have to get the college degree to run the backhoe now. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the other side of it was, uh, and, and of course, he built his whole show around this, the idea that we're, we're going to get dirty doing something, Right. Uh, but it, it is so rewarding. And the two major issues, too, you know, one of the one of the tracks that we thankfully keeps us very busy, um, but with the younger, particularly with younger generations, all not exclusively, is that uh, idea that people have difficulty dealing with uncertainty, particularly in leadership. Right. That challenge of not knowing exactly what's going to happen tomorrow and how do we you know, be comfortable with that uncertainty and be flexible and adaptable. And I think uh, more than anything, you know, my my work, my life in the trades uh, taught me how to how to do problem solving. Right. Something doesn't go together exactly the right way. And the tolerances, especially in the shipyard, the tolerances were very tight. You know, something isn't going to work just right. How do we make this happen? How do we solve this problem? Right. Right on the ground, right in real time. Um, so those are huge things, but I still want to get back to that, that generational thing. Cause I, I know we haven't talked in a while. I just did a workshop just a couple of months ago where I had set somebody up as a representative of the millennial generation, right? She was talking about, she was taking umbrage to some of the other folks in the audience who were at, you know, questioning the work ethic of that, of that right. generation. They, they and I, themselves. and I had hoped she was going to debate them. Right. But the first thing she did, she stood up and it was just what you just said, because the millennials are getting a little older now. Right. So she stood up and she said, Jim, I don't know how to deal with the younger people in my office. <laughs> I said, there it is. Right. I couldn't have set it up any better. We go through that. Um, certainly there are trends that we see generation to generation. Um, but I think we do. Uh, right, and I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this as a leader, especially, you know, you've run your own company for so long. Uh, you know, how do you manage, the, you know, that 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 generational shift and the idea that there's still a through line there. Right. The, yeah. the, the thing that's constant is that things are changing, right? Or, but I don't know if people's fundamental needs and desires are changing too much. What, what exactly changes generation to generation? Is it just the communication? Is it, you know, are, are there some big cultural issues we have to face as leaders? I think that with, with respect to where I sit and what mm-hmm. I've been experienced, especially with like um, the kids that I've worked with, is you have to listen. You have to stop, right. no matter where you're at, you, you have to stop and listen. And it's, I mean, you can... And I hear myself saying, oh, that music's, you know, or, or whatever, or I call that music. Well, and most so of it does. I have to agree with you there. Well, yeah, see, but yeah. there, therein lies yeah. maybe our generational, right. you know, percep- perception of things yeah. or, you know, the, the social media um, aspects. But you have, no matter what it is, I mean, go back to the fundamentals of leadership and just mm-hmm. know that first and foremost, we, we have two ears and one mouth and we should be listening twice as much, right? Mm. And even with the, the kids that I talk to, it's 
talking to and talking with are different. And you Amen. do have to listen. Mm-hmm. If you don't listen to them, then you're not treating them um, with the due respect. And it's, I will tell you, I have a very short window for that, for them to earn that. Mm-hmm. Because if they're mouthy or if they're this or they're that, and they're distress, dis, disrespectful for me, I don't right. care what age you're at, you're, right. you're not getting away with it. Um, you know, I know who I am and I'm good about that. But um, with respect to getting through to the, anyone, you mm-hmm. have to be aware of how you're listening. Um, if I have nieces and nephews that are certainly younger than I. I have great nieces and nephews at this point. And you listen to them, and it's not all that much different than the way maybe I was listening. But I know that when I was 14, I was not a 14-year-old of today. I just Mm -hmm. know that I was a lot more mature. I had a lot more going at that point. But that's me. And I'm not going to put me onto you know, her or him because their life experiences are different. Their parents were different. Um, Their whole world is different. But I think that that is the biggest thing that we can ask of them is to close that gap, find out what makes them tick and, and kind of work with them on that. Cause you're not going to, you, my biggest thing, and this is how I am still to this day. um, I will get up and do the dishes every single time. But if you tell me to do the dishes, I'm not doing them. (laughs) It's just, it's it's something. You got the rebel streak, huh? Yeah. Well, it's just because, yeah. no kidding, I have to do the dishes. You don't need yeah. to tell me. No, but on the flip side, if it, mm-hmm. there was a better way to do the dishes and you approach me in such a way that I was willing to listen to that, I know it's a simple analogy, but that's how that's what we should be doing is using simple analogies. Yeah. Uh, these kids do know a lot of stuff. I capitalize on them. They need mentors, however. We need to put people out in front of them that look like them. So if they're people of color, we need to make sure that if they're speaking different languages, we have to have that. Mm-hmm. If they're 20-somethings, they don't want to hear from a 50-something. They need to hear and see and think that it's possible for them. Um, and those role models have to stay out in front. And um, women, especially in the construction industry, I mean, that's where NAWIC stands up and says, hello, we're here. Mm-hmm. Because we we do have um, the wide, we, we run the gamut of um titles, job titles, and we also right. run the gamut of diversity. Mm-hmm. Our membership is not, um, other than we're all women, the gender thing is the only thing that we have down pat, as far as being the same. <laughs> but you're, you're very welcoming to men at your events, so that's okay. That's, <laughs> I appreciate that. We'll give you a pass, yeah. you know there what you I'm go. saying? There you go. Be on your best behavior. But, on, on, <laughs> but we, we do it, we have to have the men in our lives. I mean, I'm, I'm no fool. I've been married for a good long time, and the man that I married, thankfully, is, you know, one in a million, and I got him. And, mm-hmm. But our employers are also men. And we have to know that in this Me Too situation that we're in right now, oh, construction has been an obvious harassment environment. Mm -hmm. However, the women that are in it have almost had that expectation walking in. And that is not fair to say, nor are they, not that that it makes them a fair game. And I don't know that I want to go on this tangent right this minute. No, I I think I hear what you're saying, yeah. I will tell you that, you know, that was the expectation. So therefore, it was okay or the cultural okayness of um, really insulting and hurting um, a person, no matter man or male or female, mm-hmm. um, but especially a woman and calling her derogatory things, et cetera, right. or putting her in a situation that were, was very threatening. That's rampant. And that is unacceptable and mm-hmm. never right. Um, however, in construction, that's one of the reasons why women say, you know what, I ain't putting up with this and, you know, see exactly, ya. Exactly. Exactly. Right. No. And that's the impression that I got all along that um, generally around 
you know, in, in the home construction, and we did commercial construction, and definitely in the shipyard. The shipyard at that time, uh, you know, they were starting to see that because more women were getting into the yard. Uh, and I'll tell you, by and large, the, the women handled it. I mean, if if somebody was derogatory, you know, they stood up, say, "No, <laughs> that's it. I'm not taking mm-hmm. that." And what what happened with that too is a lot of the other guys would rally around them as well. You know. Um, so yeah, I I like you know I like that attitude. And again, it's I know we're we have to dance on on eggshells yeah. with this, right? Uh, but I think there is something to be said for that. You know, you have the power to stand up for yourself, and often when you do that, other folks will come to your aid, men men or women uh, that exactly. are put in bad situations. But and it, um, I think just having the conversation out there is good. Yeah. And I will I want to give um I want to give some credit. Um, there's an iron worker uh, mm-hmm. trades union out in Chicago, an iron worker trades union, and um, Vicky O'Leary is the woman's name actually. And I was with her a couple months back. And before all of this stuff, you know, this this particular issue broke out like right. it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know, being on the job site, it was. It was almost like a campaign began, and it was similar to the Me Too, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And what she said is, instead of, you know, to the men out there, is you be the one. You be the nice. one to step up. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I'm like, that's a catchphrase that should catch. Because that's, you don't have to hide behind or, or feel like, you know, whatever a guy would feel if they didn't step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you be, you be the one to show, you know, that you're good and kind and you're, you're not going to put up with this anymore. And so I thought that like, oh, we're, we're going to find some kind of format to make that work for oh, us. Oh, no, you know, and it sounds like this is, if you'd come back again, this is a topic that we, we could spend, you know, oh, an we entire could. show we on. Could. And it, I think it really seats, you know, with, with the idea that, um, generally we just have to return our entire culture back to some, some, uh, balance of civility and respect. And that's, that's been an ongoing issue, but um, also didn't want to to let go of something that you that you mentioned just just a couple of minutes ago. The you know again we're back to the idea of managing across diversity and across generations and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But you know the idea of listening, I think, is so powerful. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, often I'm asked by people, "How do I motivate?" Fill in the blank, right? And I say, "I don't know." You're you're asking me, right? I'm not the person you're trying to motivate. Didn't you go and ask that other person, the person you're trying to motivate, did you ask them why they're working with you? Why are they doing the job they're doing? What excites them? And to be able to sit down and, and you know, and shut up at that point, right? And to be able to, to open the ears. I like what you said. So I really want to thank you for bringing that up. Um, let's ter- take a little turn into the management and administration part, because I know NAWIC is so instrumental in that to encourage women to come into you know, not just the trades, but the, isn't it awful to say just the trades? That's a foolish thing to say. Yeah, just is not, just is not just a, is a word, foolish yeah. word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. But let's say it's not limited to trades. It, you're also wanting to, to attract women to management positions, engineering. And yet again, we have this divide. Um, and it, what's interesting is, you know, I was puzzled by it because we're constantly trying to encourage young women to get into these different activities. Uh, but there's a couple of very famous recent polls that said that generally young women wanted to do other things, uh, social jobs, uh, mm-hmm. teaching, mm-hmm. counseling, health care, things like that. Um, so and I, I'm not for forcing anyone, but how do we encourage? Or do you think that there are more young women that would open up to the opportunities if they knew they could get in at that other level, if they were think, being administrators so. and managers? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I, in fact, I think that's the gateway for a lot of women to get into the industry is mm -hmm. to be it in the administrative side of things. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, a friend of mine whose daughter, you know, has her first quote unquote real job, but she's in payroll at a construction mm -hmm. company. And um, because of my position, of course, in social media, she sees my my blasts all the time about NAWIC or, or whatever it is that I'm doing. And, right. um, you know, it kind of went full circle for me. And I said, that's excellent because she's because I said about the trades and I said about women, the parity is, is not equal yet, but we, we do make about 11 cents more on the dollar in the construction than we than women do in any other industry, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And she attested to that, you know, this 21-year-old, she attested to that. She goes, yeah, you should see their paychecks, meaning the, the right. linemen, the mm -hmm. tradeswomen in her um, in her company. She's like, yeah, they're making huge money. And I'm like, see, that's that. it's a level of measurement that you have to go to. it, And it's also job satisfaction, satisfaction on the other end of that. But as far as women, a lot of the women, especially like in NAWIC, I will say that initially, and that's how NAWIC started 63 years ago, these women were in the office and they needed to have that um, camaraderie, if you will, um, to at least convince a little bit about what can we do to make this better for all of us, you know, like from paperwork to, um, you know, the job flow, safety issues, mm -hmm. um, being under budget and on time was just a fantasy once upon a time, but because of technology, it's becoming more of a reality, et cetera. So we want, I think where NAWIC comes in, and this is one of the powerful things about um, a lot of women being together in a very um, positive way is that we're, we, our tagline is, you know, NAWIC builds leaders and NAWIC builds mm. period. And leaders is what we're building, but we want women to have build the confidence within themselves. Again, I can't make them me. I don't want, there's no reason for sure. another Catherine mm -hmm. in the world, but mm -hmm. I want them to be the best person they can be, or at least feel comfortable with at whatever point they're at. So if you're at 20 something or if you're, you're at 50 something or 30 or 40 or wherever you're at in your world, you're coming to the table with a completely set different set of not only experiences, mm. but confidence levels, intelligence. Right. I have, you know, I am. I describe myself in our board right now, our national board. I have. I am that forest for the trees. I'll always take. Always take that general glimpse of everything, and I, I really appreciate that. I know I'm a generalist. I mean, that if you want to label me up as something business-wise, that's not a bad How, thing to be. <laughs> <laughs> but what I do and what I know about myself, like my strengths are that, and you know, I I certainly can get into the weeds as well, being a business owner. But I don't have to because I've got people around me that are going to be they're going to be the trees in that forest. And then right. I've got other people that are going to be the leaves on the trees. And then I've got other people that are the leaves on the, the needles on the leaves on the trees in the forest. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like right. we build each other, we complement each other. And I think that what, um, NAWIC allows the way it's structured, the way we go, we have chapters. We have about 120 someone across the, um, United States. We mm -hmm. have regions. We have eight of those. And then we have the national, um, to which we have 16 proud women you know, um, sitting there. And at the chapter ground level is where the member first is introduced to NAWIC. And she's able to get on committees immediately. She's able to sit with professional women and talk about the industry in different aspects, much like you and I have in this conversation today. She gets to be introduced to something lovely called Robert's Rules in Parliamentary <laughs> Procedure. Yeah, of course. But it's a, it's a point yeah. of order. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you go, if, I don't know if anyone, you know, like a lot of us, and I'll say I can speak for myself, at 24 years old, walking into your first board meeting, not in NAWIC, in a completely dis different industry, mm -hmm. and you're in there primarily with men, you may have one other woman and... 
if you're 24, you're a young woman too. But then they do these motions and all. I mean, it's right. very, very intimidating and mm -hmm. you lose your breath. If you ha what NAWIC's allowing um, our members and the women that we come in contact with is the first time opportunity to sit at a table comfortably and really be able to listen because they don't have any of those other external factors around them. Mm. Um, and not only to sit at the table, but eventually to have a voice at that table. No longer is it going to be, oh, I had a great idea about, you know, the wall color on that, you know, particular design that we had. And you're sitting there and you're spouting like, I really do believe it should be X, Y or Z. And it goes around the table, goes around the table and your X, Y and Z color all of a sudden comes out of John's mouth across the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And the whole room shuts up and, you know, lauds on John. What a great idea. And why mm. didn't we think of that? And you had said it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I've been in some meetings like that. <laughs> You know, yeah, and it, but, it happens, but, you yeah. know, it happens an awful lot to the women. But yeah, no longer sure. is that the case because mm -hmm. I, well, it would never happen to me, I can promise you. But it would, <laughs> I it, can would, attest it, to that. Yeah. it would, it would happen and it has happened too many times. And I think that time and time again, when the stories are told like that, much like what your mm -hmm. reaction just, it's, everyone has the same because they've seen it. It's witnessed. One of the best kind of comedians is those that, you know, the comedians that crack up the audiences. Are, are those that are relating right, their story right. to yeah it's real it's, right it is mm -hmm. real and it's comical to the mm -hmm. point of like you know what i didn't think of it that way but you know <laughs> they so, take the sting out of it that's all right yeah. it does yeah. so the women that um we come across and one of the primary reasons why we're able to retain and we do an we do an excellent job of, uh, at our membership retainment and we're not going to get everybody and we're not everybody's best friend probably but um the women that do seek you're going to get what you, whatever you put in is what you're going to get out of it mm -hmm. primarily. But you're also going to have instant mentors around you or yes. instant, cheer, yes. instant cheerleaders and instant mm -hmm. team. Um, and it makes a world of difference. It's amazing what kind of accomplishments. And all of a sudden, if you have that aha moment, and I have had many, um, saying, wow, I don't need to do it all myself. Yeah. I don't have to do every single thing. I can, I can delegate. I know what that word means now. I'm not 100% there, but I can delegate. You know, type A personnel is tough to get around that delegation thing. <laughs> no, so. I love, love, love what you're saying about that, especially, you know, this is something that always comes up in our aspiring leaders programs, especially. You know, I ask, who in this room has a mentor? And I swear that, in you know, our polling, our, our little survey, SL15 that we do, uh, same thing for that group. When we ask who has a mentor right now, it only runs usually less than 10%. Mm -hmm. Isn't that frightening? And mm -hmm. yet another question we have in that poll is how important is having a mentor to your success, right? And it, everybody agrees that it's critical or very highly important at, at, at the very least. Very seldom we get a response less than that. But they're not out there doing it. So you're encouraging that I think is just, just huge. Now, I know we kind of keep this to about a half hour so people can listen to it on lunch break. But mm -hmm. uh, we, we've got to have you back again if you're willing. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't want to leave this if you have a couple of more minutes. Um, how many men do you are you do you manage mostly men in your company? Has that been your experience? Um, as far as my customers are concerned, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, because I and I will say, you know, I've been in the um, public works side of um, construction since '96, so mm -hmm. over 21 years now, and um, the level of professionalism and um, the number of women have increased. Mm -hmm. But yes, they're primarily men. I mean, I'll go in and you know, I. I teach to work zone safety and flag yeah. training and that kind of thing. And it's, it's, if I have one woman, 
and out of 20, I'm like, yay, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it is, it's primarily men and, um, you know, I'm very much aware of it. I'm obviously not intimidated by it, but it's mm -hmm. because you're relatable. And I will say in the last 21 years, um, my audience is younger than me now, you know? So that's right, the other right. thing. I mean, if they're not at my equal, they're, they're younger than me. And so I'm either their aunt or mother at this point. You know? I, so I feel your I have, pain. Every I, I have an upper hand as far as respectability, uh, maybe, but yeah. No. So in and certain settings, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the, what are some of the best, uh, what's some of the best advice you can give from your experience to women leaders uh, not necessarily just in construction, you know, anybody who, anybody who finds, because it's interesting, when I was working in television production, I tell this story very often, um, I don't know that it was an unusual shop, but someone who's been one of my best friends for most of my life now, uh, she fancied herself the mom of the rest of us. We were renegade young guys, you know, that were getting in all kinds of trouble, and she kind of <laughs> wrinkles. Yeah, but we worked mostly for women. She was the first uh, female director of a major television uh, station in the, in the country. Uh, so she's kind of an interesting person, but I think f uh, at that time, four out of the six directors that we worked for on a daily basis were women. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of an interesting perspective. Um, but when you're managing, how, how do you manage us young renegade guys? <laughs> What's your best advice for women that are in that position? Debbie used to just, she literally did used to smack us in the back of the head. Sometimes I, I don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> well, I, I think I think that the zero tolerance, um, you mm -hmm. have to create a culture in which everybody's comfortable because everyone's going to have, like I said, the, the, we come through that door and we don't know what we're doing. One of the things, one, one of the analogies that I have was, um, you know, a flagger in a work zone. If mm -hmm. you're a flagger, you're a flagger. And that person has to be um, awake and aware. And, you know, for a lot of good reasons, number one, safety, you want to get home tonight. But if they have walk in and they've been assigned the flagging detail for that day and they're in a crappy mood, they've had a tough night, maybe they have a new baby at home or maybe something else, maybe they just, just had an off night, doesn't matter. And they come in and they have attitude. As a leader and as a supervisor or even as a coworker, it's your responsibility not to have that person be out in front because mm -hmm. that's a very visual um, public place to be. And what a terrible thing for you to do. Let them pound sand all day. Let them go and take that shovel and work where they're supposed to work. As far as, um, you know, the, the whippersnappers or the, you know, whatever you want to call the, the different, you probably would, as a leader, you get a good feel right off the bat as to how they work together and how they work separately. And you have to pay attention to that dynamic. And if you're not paying attention to it, then you probably have no business being in the position you're in. Because it's not about you. And if you think it's about you, then, um, well, I can't help you there. This The selfishness um, will hurt you every single time. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you have that narcissistic attitude, it's going to come back to bite you. Um, and certainly, heads are going to roll. You can't get the credit without taking some of the blame. So I think right. that those things. The only th other thing that I think um, that we've gotten away from, and I know I've heard it time and time again, and I smile broadly every single time, um, people such as yourself that I'm in a training session with and I'm, you know, that one little cue comes up and it's keeping a journal, um, a physical journal and, um, handwriting for me. And when I see it written, I can, I keep it. I mean, that's something yeah, that I yeah. retain. Mm -hmm. And if that, if I'm writing it, if I'm actually physically writing it down, like my husband's use your phone for your appointments and use your, I said, I'll never remember it because it's not real. <laughs> that's just typing. But mm -hmm. if I, all my journals, my, and as simple as a calendar, um, 
you know, I write down quick little things about whatever it is. And I can refer back on this day five years ago, what was I doing on December 19th and, you know, 2012 or whatever year it was. And it's important to reflect back because if we don't, if we're not paying attention to what we're doing right now, we're not learning from it maybe. And we don't have to make all the mistakes, but I think journaling is a huge part of um, becoming a better person and a better leader. So that's the only other huge piece of advice that I would give anyone that's in a position um, going forward. Record yourself. Make sure mm. you're paying attention to how you're responding or reacting. Hopefully it's response mode, uh, not a reaction mode. But um, that's that's a big part of um, the the dynamic of being a good leader, I think, is, is knowing who you are and what tolerance is. And I'll tell you, you know, and this is a quick, this is exactly what it is. All right. You're with family during holidays and guess who pushes your buttons the quickest? Right. It's those <laughs> brothers and sisters that know you so well. And remember mm-hmm. when you were, you know, four or five years old and or 14, 15, worse even, you know, and they'll, and no matter what, no matter what I do, you know, it's still going to be those times, but retrospective be retrospective on your own world and i think that you'll be able to um, pass that forward onto someone else and i think that that retains and gains um, respect that is a perfect thought to wrap things up on because you know you are absolutely the sensei leader in every every aspect of the way we apply that that word and uh Let's uh, really quickly before we sign off, um, and hang with me just a second away the technical things. After the show, I'll, I'll visit with you for just a second. But yep. let's talk to uh, how, to, how to get people involved with NAWIC. And I, I, you, you owe me a commission. I turned somebody on to you in Atlanta <laughs> the other day. It was a woman who was, uh, she was the chief engineer for the hotel I was, I was staying at. Oh, good. And uh, we got talking, and, and I said, have, have you heard about NAWIC? And she said, no. And I, so I said, well, you got to go on, online right now. <laughs> And you, you need to join that. So how do people get in touch with NAWIC and how do they join? The simplest is uh, NAWIC.org and it's N-A-W-I-C.org. And um, there's a, a homepage, membership, um, drop-down menu. There's an online application. Um, certainly there's uh, ways you can just pick up the phone and call. Uh, we Beth Brooks is our executive vice president at the office. It's also Lori McCullough who is in charge of our um, membership processing she's also any one of the staff actually at the NAWIC office would be willing to talk to you and then you also would have access to the officers and leadership around the country so if you're interested say for instance you're in uh, New England or the Northeast um, you know you click on that section of the the country and you'll have 15 chapters to choose from if you're in the North Central if you're in the Pacific Northwest etc so I mean you go to the the area of the country that you want and that's how simple it is and then from that, we'll drop down the chapters, and you you can identify the closest chapter in your area because you do want to you do. My recommendation is you do want to tie into the chapter mm-hmm. um, because that's where your your um, best business practices will happen. Networking, uh, relating to the the economics of your area. Um, certainly, if you're um, in a contracting situation, your business contacts increase. Um, those kinds of things are all fundamentally important, obviously. And you'll have buy-in from your employer if they're going to, you know, put the bill for your dues and that kind of thing, which is what we want. Because right. um, all too often, you know, we if we if we're not asked, we won't ask, and mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. And I'm saying that as a woman, and you know, women need to be asked a lot of the times, or told and encouraged a little bit, um, a little bit more so than we're used to. And, um, once you were asked, it's a flatter and it's a, it's a legitimate, it's not to blow smoke. It's real. It's legitimate. We've got some great power. As I always say to my 
my gals when we're all together in a meeting or whatever. We've got power in the room and that we're going to exercise it in full capacity. So just nawick.org, go on, take a look. Um, certainly if there's questions, ask them. Catherine, thank you so much. And I'll tell you, I'm just going to add my endorsement to it. Um, you know, having worked with NAWIC, I think two, maybe three events so far. And I've got to tell you, it's a powerful organization, very powerful group, wonderful leadership. Uh, just love working with you guys. And I've got to tell you, you throw a good party, too. So <laughs> people, need, people need to get involved. I really do believe that, that you're the future of what's going to happen, you know, in, in the construction area and in the trades and, and industry going forward. So thanks again for and hope the first of many visits because you've got an awful lot of wisdom you can share with us. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. All righty. Thanks for listening to Walking the Walk. Please share this episode. We encourage you to download and share the program with both experienced and aspiring leaders in your network. We also encourage you to suggest guests for future episodes. Complete information at walkingthewalkpodcast.com. Jim Bouchard is in high demand presenting keynotes and workshops for conference, corporate, and community audiences all over the world. To book Jim for your next event, meeting, or retreat, visit thatblackbeltguy.com or call Alexandra Armstrong at 207-751-4317.